Hey, 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 what is up my less petty pals? It's your girl Kelly Howard and welcome back to Be Less Petty Comedy Self-Help Podcast. Quick reminder, we air live now every other Monday via Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. So be sure to follow at Be Less Petty on IG so you know when and who is gonna be on the next live show. This episode you're about to hear aired live last season with primary therapist Alexandra Garcia and comedian Elisa Beasley. We chatted about mental health, diagnosis, and stigmas around therapy. It was a very insightful chat, and if you enjoy it, rate us five stars and leave us a review. And if not, just go away. No, but seriously, bye. Like, go far away. <laughs> Enjoy this episode, tune into the lives, and always be less petty because some shit, most shit, just ain't that serious. Let's go. You have to be intentional about making friends. Like, reach out to someone. Like, man, I met Kelly, you know, at this comedy show. She was awesome. Like, let's go grab coffee. But, um, yes, you now, can't how be do you do front. that later in life? Because, you know, people, like, you're in your early 30s, right? right? So maybe meeting somebody for you might be like that, but somebody that's 45, 50, it might be a little odd to just yeah. randomly be like, let's go. Cause it's, it's a stigma around the age that you're supposed to have your nook of friends. Right. Like, you know new friends. friends. You know new friends. friends. <laughs> you like, well, we did like, it. You still, you still be with people who are you, where your friends at? <laughs> Yo, what up world? It's your girl, Kelly Howard, here sharing my personal experiences on how being petty almost ruined my life. Yes, all those petty ways and consuming my precious days just in petty thoughts, just, ugh, why he packed like that? Mm, why she looking at me? Is she? Can you believe she coming on my post saying XYZ? Did what? Just pettiness. Just all consuming. And I know you want to be less petty too. Don't you, homegirl? Check out these bars. Hey, be less petty with your time. Be less petty with your mind. Be less petty with your blame. All that petty shit is love. Be less petty with your friends. Love first. Make amends. Be less petty with your life. Be less petty with your wife. Be less petty with your mom. Be less petty with your job. Be less petty. Be less petty. Be less petty, baby. Body aches, migraine, chronic illness, anger pains. All it comes from is being petty. Hey, I'm telling you now, uh -huh. you don't want to do it. Nope. Cause that petty shit will have you in room. Hey. Social media, yep. yep. Be less petty there. Cause all them petty comments ain't gonna get you nowhere. You don't even want to be petty. I feel it. You just doing it. Cause it's socially acceptable But don't nobody want no more We wanna move on to a new time Where we can love and spit these rhymes Like what? I wanna love everybody But is that even possible? With this pretty Yo, yo, yo What is up my loves? Welcome to Be Less Petty Comedy Self-Help Podcast I'm your host Kelly Howard And I am so excited about today's show. Um, we have a phenomenal guest, Alex um, Garcia. I am really excited to have her on. She is a primary therapist over at uh, Pathlight Mood and Anxiety Center. And as y'all know, I talk very openly about mental health, mental illness, all of those things. I am really excited to be talking to somebody that can give me a little bit deeper insight 
on my own mental health. Um, Cause every time I talk to a therapist, I'm always like, uh, oh, I was diagnosed with bipolar mania. Do I got it? Do I got it? Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> like I'm in their face. So I love to talk to mental health specialists. It just really uh, lights my, my, my day up. And of course we have my home girl as my guest co-host today, Miss Lisa Beasley. Yes, y'all already know. My homegirl, oh, I forgot to make that transparent. I'm still supposed to be here, y'all. <laughs> My homegirl, Lisa Beasley, is on the show. How about the stream right now? <laughs> you gotta make it a PNG, Kelly. <laughs> I know. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Show day, I got to get a better schedule because what I do is on show day, I do all of my editing of the new show stuff, like the links, the pictures for this and all of that. And Uh I'm realizing that that's just not enough time. (laughs) You know what? Who's your your producer? You should be having help with stuff like this. Uh, You. (laughs) I'm on the next one, girl. Now that I know that, I will alleviate that girl. <laughs> you know what, though, Loki? I think you told me, like, if you need anything, if you need any graphics, if you need anything done, let me know. And because I'm a control freak, I never let you know. So I think that's what that was. And y'all, I just want to let y'all know that I've been doing graphic design for about, I don't know, 47 years. And I taught yeah. Kelly everything she knows. Sure, her husband does it too. He's a creative <laughs> or whatever. I I taught her everything she knows except to not not use a PNG. Yes, my bad, my bad. You know. Oh what no, I, I ain't gonna give you no smoke for that. Thank you, thank you. That even that's not even the pettiest thing I've done all week. So let's not mm. <laughs> be me up for that. Now you know we gotta get to the juicy stuff of of your petty behavior this week. What was your? Tell me. Ooh, I wanna know. I wanna know. Oh my petty behavior of the week. I was supposed to have thought about this. Okay, oh, so you're I'm, not prepared. Is that what you're No, me? I'm not. I'm, I'm, this is what you I know call what? black privilege where, you know, <laughs> I get to just be like half as good for once and I choose little <laughs> moments. And when I saw, I was like, I'm not going to prepare for that. I'm going to be mediocre. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, for exercising your rights of black privilege. You know what, though? I will say thank you so much for even being here because I know you were last minute for me reaching out to you because of our other co-hosts being sick. And you was a team player off the gate. Like, let's do it. So hey, I may, not, I may not pick up the phone when you call, but I always will do a guest host spot on time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with you. I, I <laughs> so if you don't oh. have a petty story, I can share oh, something. Oh, okay, okay. But I think well, I feel like you do. Okay. So my petty story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. My mom got ordained this uh past Sunday. So I'm a, I'm gonna say the week started Sunday. She, uh, she. This is her third time That's being amazing. ordained. Yeah, this is her third time being ordained. At first, it was minister's minister, and now she's a deaconess. <laughs> so Deacon. every time I talk to her, I call her Deaconess Beasley. <laughs> the the petty part, though. So is that I, what the female deacon is called? A deaconess? Yeah, for I church. I know that. 
Yeah, for churches that still sit really harsh on the binary line, which is all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But yeah, she is now a deaconess. The the petty moment of the week was I I did I did not have to be on that many edibles while I was there. Um, Definitely petty moment of the week. But I also had to. The petty moment also is like a lot of funny things get said at church. And I forgot that I haven't really been inside of a church in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that, like, when you say stuff, even if you got on a mask or not, <laughs> people go hear you. It's not a TV screen. They're there. So <laughs> the, there's, there's this part of the ceremony where they're supposed to, um, the, the pastor says, do, will you, da, 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 and they say, I do. And every time there was a distinct I do, like from the crowd, and I added one of them in there because I just thought it was fun to come in with hair after everybody, be like, I do, because you got on your mask. It's a perfect time to play pranks at church. So you was petty in that way. You felt like you should have been more, what, respectable of I was. I was too ceremony. high. That is definitely a petty. You knew you was going to watch your mama become a deacon. But can I? But can I? But can I tell you why? And you, you are the person who will truly cherish this. This is the same church where my daddy's funeral was at. Ah, And girl, ah, they sat me in the same seat, girl. Okay, okay. It was probably a little triggering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started to be like, weren't you there? Didn't you know where I sat three years ago? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I plan uh, on working through that with Alex today. <laughs> you should work that through that with Alex. <laughs> Your trigger points. Um, my petty moment was not that. You know what? I actually had I had two of them. Okay. So one of my petty moments was I was driving. You know me. I got my little BMW i3. It's like literally a go kart. And so I drive it like it's a go-kart. Still, <laughs> still sound like a brag to me. I don't have, oh, it's totally not a brag. Oh my God, no. Uh, <laughs> no, but I drive like 97 miles per hour everywhere I go. It doesn't matter. It's pretty bad. I definitely am in a race with everyone. And so I'm doing my thing ang, 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 on Lakeshore Drive, in and out of traffic, right? Not even thinking about the people I'm around. And then I get to the stoplight where you turn on to Roosevelt and a woman, a black girl, uh, I don't know what it is with these black girls and lashes following me, but she looked at me and all I saw through her tinted windows was her lashes blinking. And she had an attitude, (laughs) she had an attitude at me. She was like, (laughs) and she kind of rolled her eyes. And so I was in a great mood. I was on my way to my trainer. Like I had my protein smoothie. I was like feeling myself this morning. And so instead of uh, like feeding her back with this anger, I was like, ooh, I'm gonna be petty. (laughs) And I just looked at her and I smiled and I was like, oh, me, right? And that pissed her off. (laughs) I was like, you're upset at me? (laughs) And she just like, pulled off and she was mad as hell and it kind of bothered me for a while because I was like Kelly you didn't have to do that that was petty you feed into the same energy that you look at other people for having like when people speed around me and act like assholes I look at them and I'm like 
So here I am doing the same thing to her. And I'm like, oh, Kelly. But that didn't really hit me that hard because I don't be giving too many fucks when I'm driving. <laughs> like my petty ways don't But in Chicago, in Chicago, in Chicago, can you though? You like got to keep your eyes on so many things. There's so much happening in Chicago. Pedestrians, street. bikers, crackheads, police, construction. So so much and on the south on. side none of those things wait for anybody yeah so i was gonna say i was just describing uptown street. alone so the <laughs> south side is everybody's just like i gotta get to where i gotta go and i gotta go oh, this yeah. way <laughs> and none of i'm talking guys with carts right dead across stony island a four-lane highway it's crazy um they, they like to you know act like south side ain't got no education these niggas out here know the that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line <laughs> across the street and they don't care if you stopping or not and they dare you to hit them they be like hit me and you scared because you know everybody dying on the south side so you don't want to hit him because he might kill you you like <laughs> like this can't be today <laughs> oh, well i don't know what to do um mm -hmm. so we have run out of time of petty stories which is good because i really didn't want to share the other one anyway i was a little uneasy about it and oh. when i'm uneasy about a petty story hmm. yeah i think we should dive in for more this is when i move over into the guest host <laughs> host spot <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? Okay, here's the thing. And it might be more relatable actually to the viewers that are at home with mates and stuff like that. So did you say mates husband, or mates? Mates. Mates. M-A-T-E-S. Oh, okay. Like this, okay. You know, this don't apply to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go on mute. I'm gonna let you. <laughs> you gonna go on mute? Damn. You like I'm out the conversation completely because this don't apply to me. <laughs> no, so uh Mike was kind of frustrated with uh, one of our daughters this weekend or this week, just she's moody. She's at the age of moodiness, you know? And so he was a little frustrated by her moodiness. And I was in the process of like reading a script and getting ready to do a self tape. And I just was like engulfed in what I was doing and kind of, it was a long script. It was 130 something pages. And it just was taking a lot of my attention. It wasn't, that wasn't the audition. That was the, the actual movie, but it was just a lot. And I'm reading this and he's oh, talking about you, it. Pause. You read all the scripts? Do you read the whole thing for all your, for your auditions? It depends. If my agent, if my manager has access to the script or the pilot, I do. Cause it informs my character. If I know a little bit more about their behavior. Well, aren't you a real actor? <laughs> I gotta go step my motherfucking game. I try, I try. Uh, somebody said lashes can be pretty triggering. Um, so I'm reading it and he's like going on and I'm just in one of those modes of like, like I don't, I really, I think she's, she's a kid. I mean, she's a teenager, she's in her feelings. That's what they do, right? And I'm, I'm like over the conversation and I basically say it like that in kind of a mean way of like so what like get over it and I was very dismissive and I felt really bad about it afterwards which is what makes it petty because you know that if something is continuing to bother me or if I'm ruminating over it right then it's a it's petty on my my time and my space um and my energy actually everything and so now I'm going through this script, trying to do what I got to do while still thinking about how I just might have been deflective and, and hurtful and all of that. And so it just was a it just was a moment of like, OK, Kelly, 
if you didn't have time, it was probably a much better way of saying, hey, can we talk about this later? Because right now I'm really in this script. Um, so yeah, that was my other petty, that was my other petty thing this week. I didn't really want to talk about it, but you made me. It's okay. Alex is here. She's going to help build it all. Mm-hmm. And we should we're bring gonna, her in. We're going we're gonna to heal everything. We're going to heal everything. We're going to heal everything. In fact, Audience, I'm so, you're in for a treat. I'm so ready to be healed by her. And because I forgot to <laughs> PNG her, you get to see her fully on this screen right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited to bring in Alexandra Garcia. She is a primary therapist at Pathlight Mood and Anxiety Center, which is a national health organization that offers residential partial hospitalization and intensive outpatient programs for adults and adolescents. She is knowledgeable about her shit. And I love that she started her career in early childhood education, which, um, you know, gives her a little bit of a... Peek into the child's mind. Ooh, I got a lot <laughs> yeah, because that's where the trauma starts, right? The trauma starts in the child's Ooh. mind, and then it seeps into the adult life. So, with Ooh. no further ado, can we all give some snaps or some welcomes in the chat, some claps, some hands for Alexandra Garcia? Hey, Hi. how are you guys? I'm so excited. Yes, we're excited <laughs> to have you. So let's clarify this real quick. Alexandra or Alex? Alex. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I saw it on the on the bio and was like, maybe she want to use her whole name for professional purposes. <laughs> it's okay. It's all on the promo stuff. So they know my full name by now. <laughs> cool, I know, right? And they know who I am. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for doing this, taking time out. Um, how have you been? How's your day been? Um, it's been good. This week. This week, I haven't been like, it hasn't been the best week, but tomorrow's Friday. So, you know, we almost there. (laughs) It hasn't been the best week? Like maybe something petty happened? I mean, maybe. Should I share mine? Yes. Why not? I mean, mean, out here being vulnerable. Why not share this? You're right. You're right. Um, (laughs) All right. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have like an all staff meeting. where we hate it. Right. (laughs) Virtually, we're all in person, but we log on virtually. So that's already annoying. Um, But what we do is we go through each of our patients, right? And we give a brief like summary, like, hey, this is Kelly. This is what she has going on. This is what she's working on this week. The doctor will chime in. And some clinicians will go on and on. Like I will turn off my camera, make coffee and come back. And the clinician is still going on. This is a quick recap. So I will be doing my makeup sometimes. Today though, today I wasn't doing my makeup. Today I was like answering emails, I was just working. So I wasn't like engaged. I wasn't, you know, adding clinical as we were going through these patients. I was just annoyed and I wanted to like get my day started. So Mm. I was a little short and dry this morning. Short, Mm. we're all... We all have our moments of shortness. Yeah. I think it's I think it's okay because I was short with Mike, and I feel <laughs> right. bad about I have, it. Right. I have a question. I have uh-huh. a question. Were were these people? This uh, I'm personally curious. These people who were talking too much. What did they look like? <laughs> <laughs> um, As you blow out you... the smoke of your blood. <laughs> right. What do you mean by that? Uh, what okay, were their complexions? 
I mean, my complexion is <laughs> real light as well, but uh, they were, you know, white. <laughs> mm. They have a they have a way with a lot of words. So yes. it was like probably you probably heard a whole bunch of nothing when they could have just been like, so and so was discharged today. It probably started with, well, initially around 9 a.m. I thought that maybe yesterday we were going to be able to go in and recover that, but then I realized yes. that then we had their brother call. I can't. Come on. Oh people. my god. That's exactly it. You're right. <laughs> Let's try not to uh, put Alice in any compromising situations today on this right. show. <laughs> she did, well, she she did already she did already expose them for having in person virtual meetings. I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> the COVID so, life, man, it's it's crazy. You nah, know what? but I'll probably we be were, coming to visit y'all soon. We were talking about race. We were curious to know what are your thoughts on. Latinx, because like I have a habit of saying Latina just because I was I, I learned Spanish. And so it's just like, oh, but I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, no, no. I got to do Latinx now. And I don't know. Is it what like, how do you feel about that? Do you prefer to be referred to as Latinx? So, you know what? For me personally, for me as a Latina, I like Latina. I want to be called Latina and I feel very passionately about that. I think it's a very empowering, it sounds very empowering and I've grown up to express myself in that way or label myself in that way. And mm -hmm. just, I think with pronouns and labeling in general, I find it distasteful when anyone is a little too, what's the word? When folks don't have patience or they're not willing to have a dialogue about it or they're telling you how you should name a whole group of people. If you identify as Latinx, I love it, I support it, and I will use Latinx. If you identify as Latino, I'm gonna say Latino. If you change between the two or three, then you can do that. I just don't think anyone should say it should be always Latinx. Cause for me personally, I don't use Latinx. And I think part of it is my age. I mean, mm. I'm not that old. I'm, you know, I'm 31, but Latinx wasn't a thing when I was growing up. I know yeah. why it's used and I want to be gender inclusive for everyone, but I think all folks to choose and just share what, what kind of, how you want to be identified. Hmm. I wonder, speaking of which, how much has, the pronouns and the labeling, um, especially being highlighted so much as of late, impacted your patients or people coming in with mental health. Things. Is that like a, a thing that they're struggling pronouns? with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the mean, pronouns, the, just the changes in general. Yeah, I think, well, changes in general, for sure. People have been struggling. Work has been, it's crazy. On one side, it's a blessing to have had a job, but I've been so busy at work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it, it work, it has come up. And specifically with pronouns, I think within the transgender community, it's always has been an issue for them. But more specifically, like the language for me and as, as a clinician, I have to stay on top of, of all these changes mm -hmm. um, and ensure that I'm doing my homework. Um so you gotta, you just have to do your homework and ask. And, and sometimes I make mistakes, right? Sometimes I make mistakes as well. And, and all I can do is kind of lean into those mistakes when I do misgender someone. Yeah. Misgender. But that's word. also, there are a lot of people that, and I, again, I know that misgendering someone comes with a lot of pain and a lot of struggle. I think sometimes though, sometimes people can have a little more patience with that. And I'll leave it kind of at that. Yeah, I, I would I would assume so because if if I'm used if I've known you your entire life as a female, 
Yeah. And then you decide to go by he, him. Mm-hmm. And that's your prerogative. But how am I? I mean, it's habits, right? Habits. Be Less Penny is, is an entire podcast about reconditioning our, our thoughts around our habits, our petty ways, these things that continue to keep us in a certain space. So if I've, if I've been calling you this, it's going to be a habit Yeah. to say her or she for a while until I, until I correct that behavior, you know? Right. The, and it's also thing. a habit to look at someone, though, and assume, like, Kelly's a woman, right? So even mm. I don't know these patients, right? But if I see someone, and now obviously I'm experienced in the field, I never assume anyone's pronouns ever. I don't care mm. what they look like. They could look like the manliest of men. If I meet you, hi, Kelly, how are you? What pronouns do you use? And I say, what pronouns do you use? Not prefer, because that's also a problem. I don't prefer to be a woman. I am a woman. So if you ask no. a transgender person or a person in general, what do you mean prefer? I'm a woman. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. I'm a man. So even in the way you ask them, you can start off on the wrong foot. But I never assume I always ask and I always try to get it right. But if I see like if I see you, Kelly, you're a patient, you you present as what in my mind is a woman. Right. So I might say, you know, someone might say she or her on accident, even another fellow patient. And you might be misgendering that person. So sometimes people don't even present with the kind of pronouns they use, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I think the thing for us to also consider is that like the people that's on the side of being impacted by it, the, how they feel does trump what the person whose good intentions was. Because I think the mm. thing is that like yeah. with every um, just thinking about just triggers and painful stuff, it's just like you you could have been the 50th person after mm-hmm. the 49th abusive, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's one of those things where it's going to take both to just be like, yo, yeah, keep reminding me. But also, also the thing of like, not judging how someone reacts to pain um, helps me a little bit where it's like, mm-hmm. whatever reaction I get is the one I deserve because that's how they were feeling. And and only thing I could do is like, like, cause I think stuff like that gets people to the point of like, you know what, never assume, just ask. Cause that's the place we need to be. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So let's get into some mental health talk around mm. outside of pronouns, but just mental right. health in general diagnoses and stuff like that. I know that you are one, one of only, or how many, um, Latinas or people of color work in your establishment? So on my team, it's myself and one other colleague. She's actually mixed. She's uh, Puerto Rican and black. Um, So it's the two of us. And we have the other person of color is an Asian woman. So the three of us together are the people of color on our team. Have you noticed um, um, an imbalance in people of color seeking therapy versus non-people of color? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, right? I think that comes with access and uh, stigma, right? So there's always, the majority of our patients are white and then sprinkled in, we'll have some minority patients, always. We, I've never seen, I've never had a milieu where the majority are, are black and brown people, unfortunately. Now, now, when you say stigma or access, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Like what stigma goes around therapy? Because me, I'm like, oh, I want to I want to see a therapist. I'm going to call one. I'm going to figure, find yeah. one. What? 
What I think there's so much that? that goes into it. I think one, first and foremost, I've learned during the pandemic that a lot of people don't even know where to start, which is okay. I've actually helped a lot of people kind of, con I've been connecting of services, which I love, like people, and I actually kind of owe people like two different people or resources. So I will get back to y'all. I love mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, but people don't even know where to start, right? Like when we go to the doctor, you probably will, you know, check, call your insurance or you just know the steps to take. And I have found that people are confused and that's people across the board, but especially people of color, right? Then if you are someone who doesn't have insurance, that's going to be a barrier because mm. for therapy, we're, we're charging insurance. And then also, like I mentioned, I work in a higher level of care. I work in a partial hospitalization program. We call it PHP program. It's essentially a day program. So our patients are on a leave of absence from work or school, and they're with us seven days a week from like nine to four. They go home at the end of the day working on their stuff. Um, a lot of people don't know about that level of care, especially people of color. So, and then the stigma of like getting help, right? Like, you know, am I weak or it's scary or I don't even know what this is. So there's so much like that comes with stigma. Yeah. Or what I heard growing up, don't be telling them white folks your business. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or right. being like, we go to church. We don't go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pray about it. That's a big Pray one. About it. Pray about or it. Or the fear of being seen as crazy. Yeah. That's Absolutely. huge. Diagnosis, I think, definitely puts people in a box that makes them feel like they're crazy. When you're talking about a mental health diagnosis, you can get cancer, you can get gangrene, you can get anything else. You can get herpes, yeah. damn near shit, and be okay with that before, I'm serious, before if you get a mint, because it's almost like your brain is broke. Right. Yeah. And without, you know, and without that. And so when I think about that, when I think about Diagnosis in general, right? How often do you see, and I'm talking about this for my own personal, you know me. Yeah, right? I was gonna I mean, say, all my questions are gonna be about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Diagnosis in general, when does a person even know, when do you think a person should seek therapeutic help in their life? When, do, when, when should they go and, that's right. the question. Let me stop First of all, I think everyone, <laughs> You don't have, okay, in this country, we treat sick people and that is the problem. We don't have preventative services, right? We wait to go to the doctor to a really sick, right? The program that I work at, you need a diagnosis to be there. If Kelly was like, you know what? Mm. I wanna take two weeks off of work to just learn about mental health, learn skills. Technically mm. you can't, cause you wouldn't meet criteria. And we would be like, no, you can't be here. You're not sick enough, which it should be flipped. So. First, to answer your question, to do therapy in general, we all you all have something to talk about. You've been through a bad breakup that you never spoke about. Trauma, it could be big trauma, little trauma, even just trying it. Because you might not need it today, but in a month from now, when a, something big happens, you have someone to go to. So first mm -hmm. and foremost, is never it doesn't hurt to try. And I always say try now before there's a crisis. Secondly, if you aren't doing well, I would say you probably should start seeking help when your day-to-day -day is just, you're not yourself. Are you someone who's feeling like, man, I just can't get up for work each day or I'm at work and I'm just not concentrating. I'm barely making it. Um, I'm with my friends, things that you normally enjoy. Maybe you're not enjoying them anymore. Like, man, I used to love hanging out with the girls and having wine. And now I'm just kind of just sitting there and going through the motions and I don't. So really evaluating mm. like what has changed and is this and how long has it changed? Sometimes, you know, we have off weeks. I just said this week's been a little off for me. But is it two, three weeks now? Is it about a month? Um, so that's kind of the, the, the gauge I give, but maybe we need a little more help here. I have two immediate thoughts. 
The first one I made a big reaction to, you can't get the help at your place until you have a diagnosis. So with women and black women in particular, we always have later in life diagnosis if we get any diagnosis at all. Right. So how is is that conversation happening on a systemic level of like, it's not like, here are all the reasons why we don't have black and brown people in here. One of them being, they don't believe black women when we say anything. So it it has taken years on years on years on years for somebody to just be like, yeah, you do have anxiety. And I'm like, word, I could take something for that after right. suffering for so long. So like, mm. Um, what are we going to do about that? Because that's because I would love to come for a seven day stay and just unpack <laughs> daily. Oh, but right. Um, right. Second, my second thought, what was it? Oh, I'm going to blame it on the block. I got really, I got really caught up in that first thought. I'm like, you gotta have a diagnosis. We set up the family. Well, so here's the here's it. the thing with di this, that's across the board, right? That is across the country. You need a diagnosis, right? When I first saw a therapist in our initial session, and she she knew I was a therapist, she was like, oh, I'm gonna give you adjustment disorder. That's in order to bill your insurance. Insurance is not gonna be like, oh, okay, Alex just wants to come and talk. I can come and talk, but it's going to be tied to billing adjustment disorder or generalized anxiety disorder. That is our medical model. That's just how our world works. It's unfortunate, yeah. right? Um, so that's just how it is. Now, back to what you were saying about not b believing black women and women of color. They are starting to talk about it and it's starting to change, but it's still slow. Um, so definitely I think physicians are listening more. Um, and I, I do want to say where I work, I really do love that as a clinical team, usually doctors are at the top of, 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 of the list, right? It's all about the doctor. The world revolves around doctors. I love doctors, but specifically here, I think our physicians, our psychiatrists, they really, really work collaboratively, um, which I appreciate. We, I do most of the work with the patients. So our doctor, you know, she'll knock on my door, she'll text me. Um, so we all kind of work as a team, especially with working with all our patients, but with people of color as well. Yeah. Now, that's so interesting. When I think about doctors listening to, because I remember when <laughs> I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, I told her I mm -hmm. had multiple sclerosis. Yeah. And she told me <sighs> I didn't. She was like, no, impossible. You don't. Yeah. You don't. You have a pinch nerve. You're a runner. You have a pinch nerve. I was like, no. Mm -hmm. I have multiple sclerosis. I Googled it. So <laughs> that brings me to my question. That brings me to how many people, how much of Google and internet is interfering with people believing some things about themselves mm -hmm. that is not necessarily true? Like how much of that do you see where people are diagnosing themselves and then coming in with their, with their conclusion of what's wrong? Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely happens. And I think it, it happens a lot. I think the, the world right now, right? It's all on a, a, a click away. Um, and some patients aren't really, or some people aren't really ready to hear that they don't have that diagnosis. Mm. So that's just where they are. Some people are, are truly tied to 
to some identities because it has been with them for so long. Like, what do you mean? I don't have bipolar disorder or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, we're, we're not really seeing that. Um, so yes, it happens. Yes, we will give them the right information, but I'm always going to meet people where they are. I'm not going to just kick you down, right? I work with you slowly so we can start to kind of form a different identity. And I do want to say with diagnosis in general, and Kelly, we've talked about this, where I work and me as a clinician, I use that as a framework to work with symptoms. I never want someone to feel like this is their identity, right? I'm depressed. I am always going to have anxiety. I even like to change the language like, no, the depression, the anxiety. Stop saying mine. mine um, if yes, you want to, that's yeah. okay. But I think language is so important. Like, no, this is temporary. This is right now. Um, so even language that we use, we try to push it away a little bit. And we're never like labeling, labeling you on your forehead with something forever. I remember my second. Oh, go ahead. I remember my second point about the when is it time <laughs> to come in? Yeah. And when you're like, you're not feeling like yourself. So here's the, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Growing is uncomfortable. Growing right. out of situations is uncomfortable because sometimes everything around you stays the same, but you've changed. And mm -hmm. that to me gave me a false sense of I should be okay. Ain't nothing changed. But then I realized I did. And I was like, oh, I've been I've been sitting here for a very long time. But then I think about, you know, when people are like, Oh, it's I can't go to work every day. It's really hard to get up and go to work every day. Right. And just like the way our world is structured and the status quo and everything is depressing. Like, cause it yeah. being built on a capital system. I'm 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 just like, is it catered towards people who, you know, how people be doing that? <laughs> so I have three <laughs> questions. I have three questions. How do people get up every day? Um <laughs> That's the first one. <laughs> okay. That's the first one. The second one is um, how? Why? Why should shouldn't that be depressing? <laughs> right. Uh huh. Um, and the third thought was just an observation of you can outgrow a thing personally, like by going through whatever healing, mm -hmm. and that can bring on depression because, like those same people mm. you was enjoying wine with, you probably don't like what they talk about anymore. And it just takes time to get to that point. So either way, go to a therapist and talk about it. Right. That's that's so interesting because me and Alex were talking about on our preliminary call about low-level psychosis that we all have. And so if you could expand on that, actually, because I think this ties right Ooh. into what you're asking about, um, you know, waking up and wanting to get up and all of just all of this, this that's happening within us, this, this energy that is lost. Uh, that's what I'll call it. <laughs> do you want me to explain low-level psychosis? Well, talk about low-level psychosis do. as well. I guess is that that's different from depression. I'm no, I'm no therapist. Yeah. I'm no so yeah, when we were talking about it, we were talking about depression. I think sometimes people, depression, anxiety, and all of these other disorders, they look different person to person. But there's this stereotype when you think about depression, right? And we were saying that sometimes if of someone's sick enough or has been depressed enough, they'll have psychotic features mm -hmm. or, you know, low level psychosis where they might be hearing a few things or responding to something. They're not actively psychotic. Like we wouldn't give them a diagnosis, a diagnosis of schizophrenia. It's just really complex depression. Um, so 
yeah, we can see that combined with kind of other mood disorders. So how would a person, if they're struggling with this, aside from waking up and going to see a therapist, right? Yeah. If some person has not reached that level where they're like, I'm, I want to mm -hmm. go see a therapist, what is something else? What are some other tools that they can use to sure. get up in the morning mm -hmm. and to still feel as alive as they can and so they get to the place of wanting to see a therapist? Right. I think one, like how do people get up each day like, I work, the patients that we work with come from all walks of life, all educations, like lawyers, nurses, doctors. One, I hope that you are at least content with the work that you're doing. Happy is overused. You're not going to be happy all the time. If you can be happy at work, that's great. But I hope you're not miserable at work. And if you are miserable at work, that needs to change right off the bat. You spend most of your time at work, right? 40 plus hours a week. So that's the first thing I'd love for you to look into. What are you doing? Where are you going each day? Yeah, there are days I don't want to go to work, but in general, like I like my job. I like my team. I like being there. I like being around people, right? Um, I also think a morning routine, right? We're in this kind of society of multitasking where I'm on the phone, in the car with my coffee. And how about getting up like 10 to 15 minutes earlier to just sit up in bed? Right. Like maybe some positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. One, you have to figure out what works for you. There's so much out there. Mm -hmm. Self-care is another buzzword that's overused for me. Figure out what works for you. Um, I mm -hmm. enjoy coffee. Right. When I was at my morning meeting, a little crabby today, I didn't have coffee yet. But if I woke up mm -hmm. a little earlier, I would have been feeling a little chipper. So, um, you know, I think you really, really, I, there's so many different things I could say, but I think, you know, enough sleep, waking up earlier. Are you feeling passionate about the work that you're doing? And then back to what we were talking about, are you surrounding yourself by folks that you enjoy being with or have you grown out? You know, are we, are we mm. moving on to a different group? So there's just, I'm and gonna, there's way more. I wonder if a lot of that has to do with people thinking that if they move on from the people that they know or that they think love them or are, uh, are aligned with them, if they move on from that, they may not find yeah. anyone to be, which I think, you know, to just put a nip in that right off the back, I think that when we elevate, our circle finds us. You right. know, but it uh -huh. is very difficult to move past that because I know for a long time, for, for a very long time, I was scared to even do Be Less Petty. I was scared to talk about, I'm a comedian. I can't talk about real shit like this. I can't dive in deep about emotions right. and trauma because that's not necessarily funny, you know? And then I had this idea that not only that, I haven't dealt with my own bipolar ass trauma and shit that I'm going through because I'm crazy in my own mind, right? This right. idea from this diagnosis that's ruminating. Right. Then I'm from the hood, so I'm supposed to be hood. You know what I mean? It's just like all these ideas and labels of myself keeping me small and essentially not aligning with what I want to do. Like you said, if you don't like your job, I guarantee you most of the time when people just hate, like if they're in their job and they hate their job so much, but when they're out of their job, they find a place of peace, then it may be that they're not aligned. They're not aligned. <laughs> Values are not aligned, right. With what they're doing. But if they're sad even after they leave work, and they're sad yeah. all the time, then that's some deeper shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So let's, let's let's give let's give 27 year old me some advice. Let's say I was working in a donut shop yeah. and uh, I didn't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> or like like what's what's the what's the advice for people who are like, yeah, I'm depressed because I I work at Subway and I don't like it. <laughs> One, I would say I I also want to say like therapists don't only specialize in trauma. 
there are clinicians that specialize in careers, right? Mm. There, there's so many different really? Yeah. So like when I was in grad school, there was a track specifically for folks that was specialized in like higher ed universities, but also had the specialty for careers. So there's professionals out there that can guide you to that process, right? Finding a job is a job in itself can be really stressful financially, mentally. Mm. So finding a clinician that can support you through you know what, a career change or starting my career. Um, so I think having a conversation, having someone to guide you through that. Somebody uh, said, is that occupational yeah. therapy? Um, I don't think occupational therapy is. Not occupational therapy, no. But she yeah, said, is that occupation therapy? Oh, right. occupation therapy. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Occupation <laughs> therapy. Now, I misread to, that essence. Do you have to have insurance for something like that? If you're like 18 and you're like, yo, I got to get out of this Burger King. Like, <laughs> I can't with you. Do you have to have insurance for that? Well, yeah. So even so, again, I work at a higher level of care where we're billing insurance mm -hmm. daily. But even if mm -hmm. you're seeing an outpatient therapist like once a week, right, that's the traditional, mm -hmm. like the norm you hear. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. billing your insurance or you're paying out of pocket. There are nonprofits out there that work on a sliding scale. scale. So if you don't have insurance, mm -hmm. Erie Family Health, they are a, a clinic across the city. They provide uh physical mental health, dentistry. And um, if you want mental health services and you don't have insurance, you can get it through them. And there's other organizations out there. So I never want that to be a barrier. Um, so there are other options in the city. Um, I no, do want to go ahead. No, go ahead. You, what do you do want to we say? Were, we were going <laughs> to, it's back to the other topic about people, right? So what do you, what's the biggest predictor of happiness? What do you think over the lifespan? What's the biggest predictor of happiness? Oh, that's, uh, that's easy. A white picket fence, 2.5 kids, a fluffy dog. <laughs> right. That's what corvette. society tells you. Okay. <laughs> so, Kelly, what so, is okay. it? Okay. We got, we got a couple of comments from, oh, the, okay. from the audience. Uh, I don't know if this was in refer in reference to that, but fostering futures. Um, not lot. That's not it. Love was another Love. one. Okay. Uh, I personally think that it's connections. Yes. It's, it's meaningful relationships. Yeah, meaningful relationships. Meaningful relationships. So there was a study, like sidebar, it was a lifespan study done by white men that went to Harvard, but they followed them until they died. And I think if we redid the study with people of color, we would find similar things, right? But the biggest predictor of happiness was not their occupation, not how much money they had, not even how many friends they had, but if they had one best friend, if they had a partner that they loved dearly, those mm. were the folks that were happy for the mm. majority of their life. So just wanted to go back to that point of like the people in our lives, if they're your family or your friends, it's so important to surround yourself by authentic people that you love and people that are gonna challenge you too. Yeah. You know, Mike, when I when I first met Mike, he had so many friends and it, it would annoy me. It was like, oh, you just got all these people that love and like you and eh, right? <laughs> but, but I was also like, I was also like mega hater. Like I was the kind of person that hated on everybody around me. I had friends, but they were friends where we were like equally shady to one another. Like, it's like they weren't like really meaningful relationships. It wasn't until I got in my 30s, late 30s, that I started to really focus on cultivating friendships where I can support women. And because I would hate on women and I didn't, I didn't know why that was, but it was because I really did not like so many things about myself. 
Mm-hmm. So I could not genuinely feel good for another woman. I couldn't like another woman's success. I couldn't like when yep. another woman was beautiful. It was nothing mm. I could do to congratulate another woman because I was so self-loathing in my own shit. But when I started to work through that and I created a book club and everything, <laughs> and I started surrounding myself with women, we really started lifting each other up and just supporting one another. And I genuinely saw my 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 life conditions raise and get a little bit higher. And it's interesting because for years before that, I was meditating, writing, meditating, and I was still dealing with depression, heavy depression. Mm -hmm. And I think that was because I was in this solo space of like, me, 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 when in fact it was like, how do I relate? How do I connect with other people? How do I add light and love to other people? And that's really what it's about. It's like adding light and love to other people. Yes, absolutely. And that translates to like the pandemic, right? Even before the pandemic, it is hard for adults to make friends. Right. A lot of adults that I work with, like they go to work and some of their friends are coworkers, but it's like superficial, like friends. Mm-hmm. And then you add a pandemic and people haven't left their house in months and they're just lonely. Like people mm. are lonely. They were lonely before the pandemic. And the p- pandemic made it worse. So as an adult, you just have to be so intentional, intentional, excuse me, about making friends. I like, I like that word. I like, like intentional. You have to be intentional mm-hmm. about making friends. Like reach out to someone. I met, I met Kelly, you know, at this comedy show, she was awesome. Like, let's go grab coffee. But, um, yes. Now, how do you do that later in life? Cause you know, people like you're in your early thirties, right? right? So maybe meeting somebody for you might be like that, but somebody that's 45, 50, it might be a little odd to just yeah. randomly be like, let's go. Cause it's, it's a stigma around the age that you're supposed to have your nook of friends. Right. Like, no you new friends. friends. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Like, well, we like, did you it. Feel, you I'm feel meeting people. Who are you? Where are your friends at? <laughs> Who are you? Oh, no. Um, but I'm all about meeting new people. I love I that. too. The right people, not just anybody. Yeah, well, no, I think not just anybody. Not just anybody. One, after a certain age, is, like, we just have to get these like stereotypes about life. Like We have to throw them away. Like this you know, stereotype by like 30, you know, you should have your career set. And like Lisa was saying, the white picket friends and the house like no what if you want to change your career what if you want to go back to school like do all the things we've we've Mm -hmm. learned anything over the last year life is short so as you get older like what do you want to do do you want to take a class there's there's this documentary from brazil that talks about as kids play is so important and as adults we forget about playing and playing being hobbies and things that are just fun so we get through like kids and careers and making money, but no one's having fun anymore. So yeah, I would yeah. encourage folks to do what you love. Take a dance class, take a take a college class, right? You could mm-hmm. just like do things that make you happy. And then you will also be surrounded by similar folks that are doing those things. And then, yeah, you have mm-hmm. to kind of bite the bullet and ask someone if they want to go have coffee. You know, that's what I love about Mike's parents. They're in their 70s. And they, before the pandemic, they will go salsa dancing. They oh, have young it. friends. Yes. They have these parties and gatherings. And they're just always, mm. but they're like the happiest, most useful, yeah. older couple that yep. I've ever met. They just have so much life in them. They're always reading. His dad was just mm. in a writing class with me. We were in the Ooh. same writing class. I love that. <laughs> I'm like gold, right? That's what I want to be when yes. I'm in my 70s. Why can't you do that, right? And that shouldn't be such a foreign concept. Like, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's for your brain, and that is for your body. So, Mm. like, keep doing new things. 
Mm, you know, before we get over to the question and answer section, because we're right there at the nose on that, I want to talk a little bit about how much you did early childhood education. So mm -hmm. you kind of understand that. And then yeah. you look at adults that you now counsel or therapeute, if that's a word. Yeah. How much of that, what you learned in early childhood, it has translated into this adult person or these adult people? Uh, man, such a, that's a topic. And if with you could be a little descriptive about what. Yeah, I think, well, one, when I was in early childhood education, I was a preschool teacher, right? So I was with little kids, four years old, amazing. Like I loved my kids, loved my kids. I loved my parents. They were the headache. The kids weren't, but that's a whole different story. Um, you would see emotional kind of issues starting very, very young. So I worked at a preschool in Evanston and a lot of our parents were professors at nearby universities. They were uh, doctors and lawyers and folks that weren't worked really, really long hours. So I would have kids come in, you know, at 745 in the morning and they would stay for aftercare and wouldn't get picked some picked up some of them until like close to 6 p.m. And at just even that, right, doing that five days a week, I saw that kids like they miss their parents. And I understand mm -hmm. you, you got to keep the lights on. But some of these parents were, were doing well and they didn't probably need to work that much. So mm -hmm. one thing I noticed, like the adjustment and the emotional kind of dysfunction for just missing their kids. Right. So that's the attachment. Your secure base with your parents is so important. You learn so much about love and safety and everything. So I saw that real life when I was a teacher and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to grad school to be a therapist. Like I can no longer do this. Um, so now as a clinician, there's so much that is tied to childhood, right? When, when we don't have that secure base, we often grow up to be people that probably have difficulties forming relationships, right? Maybe you people. are the person that's hating on someone and doesn't trust people because you never <laughs> saw trust as a childhood, right? Mm -hmm. I said a few weeks, a few DMX passing and substance abuse, one of the biggest predictors for folks with substance use disorder is trauma, childhood trauma specifically, right? People aren't just, don't develop heavy drug problems for nothing, right? Now, Often, is like, weed a drug? Well, nowadays, <laughs> I don't know what it is. You tell me, Kelly. Uh, well, I got a medical marijuana card, for, so for me, it's medicine. Right. Uh <laughs> But I think childhood is so important in those first years uh, growing up. And, you know, all of childhood is really important. And you see adults with a lot of issues, for lack of a better word, and they usually stem from childhood. I have, So I have a, a present day issue. I'm going to pretend like we in a therapy session. So I have a daughter. She's five. I love her. Uh, um, colloquially and generationally <laughs> oh and culturally, um, the... Sirens, not now. There's this, you know, children should be uh, seen and not heard. I believe children should be seen and heard. Right. <laughs> and I'm kind of like alt parenting than how generations before have done. Is there a such thing as like loving your child too much? Like, cause sometimes I feel like I hug her too much cause I didn't get no hugs at all. And I'm like, am I hugging her too much? Is she only five? Is there a such thing as hugging a five-year-old too much? I don't think so, but at five, I'm sure she could tell you if she doesn't want to hug you. True, and, mm. I, and then I say, it, she does, and I say, right. okay, 
Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, four or five, they will have a whole conversation with you. So I'm like, baby, you want to get a hug? Like, no, not right now. Okay. You let me know when I can hug you. So I think a lot of times, and I think you brought up a great point. I do think kids need to be seen and heard. We often feel like we, we know what's, I mean, we do know what's best, but kids are really smart. Involve them in the conversations and explain why you are making a decision, right? Because it gets very frustrating to hear no or to be scolded, oh. but to not understand like, well, well, why though? And no one explains the why. I'm not saying give them whatever they want. And let's have a conversation about, you know, why you can't do X, Y, Z. I do see some question or questions. Yeah, we're going to get to um, the okay. next question. I just want to say, uh, Mike was that kind of, he, when we met, he would like explain everything to me. And he's like, okay, honey, here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to go. Here's what's next. And I would be like, why are you giving her so much information? Why does <laughs> yeah. it, would, it would literally drive me crazy. I'm like, she know where we going when we get there. What the hell is right. all this? And he was like, I just like her to feel safe. I want her to feel secure. I want her to know that she's in what's happening in the movement of what's going on. And I just used to be like, this shit is crazy to me, right? right. But now it makes so much sense because it does build more secure children that become secure mm -hmm. adults. Exactly. You know? yes. All right, let's get to this uh, question here. I am a foster parent and would love to know, how do you motivate teenagers that are struggling Ooh. with mental issues but are not aware of their triggers? Oh, this Ooh. is a very good that's question. A, that's how old a... are these teenagers? Can I ask that, Cassandra? But you can go ahead and start watching. Well, one, I would ask, you know, obviously right off the bat, do they have a therapist already? So hopefully they do would encourage them to be doing individual sessions and then family sessions. Right. So letting them vent and, and relate individually without mom there and then having, you know, the foster parent also involved in the conversation. I think motivation with teenagers is really, really hard. Mm. Um, how do I answer this the short way? One of the like skills that we use with depression and motivation is called behavioral activations. Um, I don't think I have enough time to explain it, but a lot of times with depression, well, one, let me not even do that. If they're not aware of the triggers, we have to do that first. We, we need to have awareness before you can work with anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like going back to what Kelly's saying, if she was still in that petty moment when she was hating on people, she didn't have the awareness yet. She, when she had the awareness, then you can change it. So one, I think, Let's get that kid, that child into therapy and let's start building some awareness, learning some of this language of, of, of skills um, and mental health stuff and see what's going on. And then let's talk about like what's next. So therapy is, is the answer. Therapy. Yeah, because if they, they don't have the awareness of like there's nothing wrong with me or they want to know and they don't know, like we have to know what's going on. And our foster kids, I don't know, this might be a question for another person, but it's our foster kids given therapy Anyway, like because it's, I mean, they're going it through something be. traumatic. Is, is, is that like I a don't, but I don't believe so. I don't believe so right off the bat. What I've seen, I haven't worked with too many. I've worked with a few families that are foster have foster children. She said yes. Oh, she said yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. I've I was, seen I'm them like, get therapists so. once there's something like a crisis happening, but it's it's good to know that they're having they have clinicians before that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's another. Uh, Good question. I I need the answer to this. When is <laughs> when is it time? When is the type of strings oh, on your girls? Yeah, is that my parent, So go ahead, Kelly. Answer that. Oh, I'm supposed to answer that. Hell, I'm asking you. When is it time? Is that my mama? You know what? <laughs> I, I answer think, it. I, never. I is, okay. What do we talk about? Cut the way. strings. 
So what, what are we saying by cut the strings? Are you talking about the financial strings? Um, like I know my, my grandmother who's in her 90s, she said, Alex, you know, when you have a kid, you'll never stop worrying about them to the day you die, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're always, obviously, you're always tied to your kids. Um, but I think emotionally, the strings will probably always be there, but I'm not sure which strings she's talking about. Vicky, put away the scissors. That's, you know, that's <laughs> so true. She said, put away the scissors. Ain't no cutting no strings. You know, that is so true that you always worry about them. My mom still call me and right. ask me random questions or text me, don't forget to turn your clocks back. You know, all of, right. in fact, she's my like life reminder at this point because she keeps <laughs> <Right>. me <laughs> in the know of all the shit that I no longer pay attention to. Yeah, um, right. But when I think about cutting well, the ties, um, I'm one of those people where I grew up you know, I don't know about how many other black families had this, but I had the kind of parent that wanted you to be, they always wanted you to move back in. You know what I'm saying? It was always like, you can save money if you lived here. This mm -hmm. makes more sense. And so me, I was more just trying to get away. Like, all right, all right, all right, look, I don't want to be here anymore. So when I think about my own children, I'm like, fly away, birdie, go. I'm pushing, <laughs> I'm pushing so they can go be. But I see that faith is a little bit more attachy than like me. And Amina's like, Please let me coast. Faith is like, I mean, I just want to be here for however long I can be here. And I really don't know how to feel about that because Mike is like, I want them to always have a place home with us. I want them to always be able to rely on us and know that we have their back. And I'm like, they will never learn unless they burn on their knees. You know what I'm saying? They got <laughs> they gotta go through the training. Right. I hear you. I no, I think it's important even as, as an adult. Yeah. Like how amazing is that? If you can pick up the phone or you have a family member's home that you can go to when you need it. Right. We always need that support. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Let's see what this. And yes, I thought I was an empty nester. I thought I was. I'm not anymore. <laughs> Corona changed that. Did you see the, the code switching question? Oh, oh, yeah. oh I did. Where's that? Where is that? It's go uh, up a I'll little pop bit. It up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, um, Essence, we'll come back to uh, Do you have advice on getting exhausted by code switching or standing up for these cultural movements? Boom. Oh, oh, let's talk about it. We got another hour? You go, you go first. And I got a couple. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely you get tired because the way I speak in team meetings and with <sighs> our predominantly you know, white milieu, I don't, you know, I, I have to code switch, right? As often, Ooh. even with my light skin, when, you know, some white patients have asked for the Mexican therapist or have asked me several times if I am a therapist, I'm like, why aren't you convinced mm. that I'm a therapist, right? Mm. But code switching is a thing, especially in a medical model that is predominantly white. And it is exhausting. It is exhausting. And it is exhausting standing up for these cultural moments. Everyone's talking about, you know, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and people of color. And there's this whole initiative. And we hired this whole group of people. And one of our last team meetings asked uh, leadership if any of the new folks were people of color. And they said yes. And they're actually all white. Um, so today I had to bring it up again. Like, I don't know if folks got it wrong or was someone lying. And the answer that they gave me was like, oh, a person of color was hired for a different uh, location. Um, and I'm referring- oh, so that's a person of color. A person, like, no, them. can all the new people be? Like this whole cohort was white folks. That's mm. great. Now the next one, let's make sure that they're all people of color. Um, so that's something that I constantly am advocating for is I bring in clinicians of color because it's so important to have clinicians of color. 
Um, so when people of color are with us, hey, if you want, you know, a black therapist, we have one. You want a Latina therapist, we have mm -hmm. one of those too. So it's exhausting, but I would say no matter what profession, like keep having the fight and keep having those conversations. If not, things won't change. Mm. I have one can, little- Can you get to, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I have one little piece of advice. If, did you know that if you are black, rest is radical? <laughs> Take some naps is a, one of the most some... radical acts Take some naps. Take a nap. <laughs> I I've struggled with that on my code switching, even in stand up. Right? It's like if I'm doing a, a North Side show, I either gotta be ultra black, so you know that I'm black, or I'm like well put together and yeah. articulating my points. Um, and sometimes we don't even know that we're code switching, which is so fucked up too, because I can jump on a phone. And I can dial somebody. I know I'm dialing the professional, and I just end up saying, uh, "Hello, hi, yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. And I notice, mm -hmm. like, I notice the <laughs> voice elevation. Like, what mm -hmm. just happened? You yeah. know, it's so weird. And so I've just been trying to be aware of it and to to deepen my voice or to stay honest with myself in that moment. It's very, very, very difficult, especially since we've been doing it our whole life. And as far as the cultural movements are concerned. I'm like, I can't. I just, yeah. I can't keep can't up with all not. of it. I can't keep. I can't keep up with all of it. It's so much shit happening. Mm -hmm. I feel like in my lane, I'm trying the best I can to add healing or joy or something to the world. That's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not right. gonna be out here marching all the time. I just can't. I don't have it. You know what I mean? Right. Like because you are, you're also I doing think, everything that you can to stay alive. Right. Exactly. And I think with that organic food. <laughs> I'd be remiss if we didn't say that, right? With everything going on in the world, like even if you're someone who, like my childhood wasn't traumatic or whatever, like with everything going on in the world, like if you are a black person right now in this country, like you are probably experiencing something. And I would also encourage you to get a therapist to help you heal from all of this that is going on. Um, it's, it's just, it's just too much. It's too much. Mm. This is interesting. Somebody um, said about that initial question. We'll get back to the other question, but I had nowhere to go. So many times I failed at life to be able to offer a lifetime plan to my adult church mm -hmm. is a blessing. And I said, I guess it's another way of looking at it. It's knowing right. that you can give, you can give to your mm -hmm. kids what, 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 what literally not a lot of, but some whites in this country are given just naturally. They're like given this freedom of go out, be creative, go live your life, go show, go become whoever you become. Right. I got your back. Mm -hmm. Versus it's like you black at a certain point. It's like nope. Yeah, and work. we gotta ask, and because there's also like this pride thing too, and sometimes their version of having their kids back is like food and shelter. So I think sometimes we blow up what the simple, basic, basic needs are. But then again, that's also just how hard it is to get basic needs met. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Borderline independence to foster independence. What is it? Oh, this is another question about, um, about young children. So what is a healthy borderline to foster independence and still keep your sanity? I think that's a Mm. Um, I mean, you may have an answer, but I think that's a personal choice, right? At what point does it become overwhelming? Like, you know, like, hey, I can't, when I wake up in the morning, I'm annoyed that you're here. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like at that point, it might be time for you to move out because you're, you're, 
you're making my my space petty, mm -hmm. essentially. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think uh, I, again, I do want to say like I've worked with I've worked with little kids, I've worked with at risk youth, and now I work with adults. But again, back to like lifestyle, I think want to be I have nieces and nephews and hopefully just good role models. So I think, you know, we often tell our kids or nieces and nephews what they should do and we're not doing it. So having your own like routine, like you're talking about keeping your sanity of like you having your morning routine and doing your stuff, like it's okay to take care of you as well. And know and knowing that if you're not okay, then your kids are probably not okay. So not feeling guilty when, hey, I'm taking this self-care. You know what? I am going to take a class or do this for myself, you know, twice a month or whatever it is. I think it's important for kids to see that you have your own identity outside of the family life. Mm, that is so true. Where it's not mom, wife, that's it. Right. And you if you think about, yeah. like, even in Latino culture, right? If you think about moms, most people or grandmothers, right? At home, like the traditional sense, right? Most of their identity was at home and we love that. But times have changed, right? Our, our identities aren't only at home. So what else? What else are we mm. involved in? Wow, I think we have reached all of our questions. This is some great information. I hope everybody got a lot out of it. Before we leave though, we're gonna do this last little tidbit okay. called words, words, words. I'm a huge fan of language. Um, I love words that are, you know, some that like duality is one of my favorite words. I think I love it because Ooh. I was diagnosed with bipolar mania. So it justifies me. Um, but I, I wish you would have told that story. But. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I did want to talk about it. I did want to talk about it, but I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, you know, I should have told it. I should have told it. You're <laughs> right. Uh, I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Just heads up for the people in the audience. I was diagnosed with bipolar mania um, in 2013. It was right after, like, not even a year after I had lost my 15 month old daughter. Uh, mm -hmm. I was kind of just in a real antsy space and I wasn't sad all the time, but I was sad. I had my moments where I tried to muscle up the strength and get through it and be happy anyway. And then I had those moments where I was just really torn and really sad and just mm. unable to participate in the family in a loving, committed way. Not to mention all of the trauma of just my life before then right. that also was playing into that moment. And so I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I mean, not multiple, that too, but that was a year later. I was diagnosed with bipolar mania. Right. And I told the, 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 the psychiatrist everything about my childhood, the molestation, just my upbringing, my brother's suicide. I'm talking real fucking trauma, just endless trauma. And I told her everything. And she came back with a straight face, clear as day, bipolar mania, like within not even right. 15 minutes of reviewing my information. And so what, what got me about that was that even if I felt like I didn't have it, which kind of triggered all of this self-care journey of like, who am I? What? Who am I really, right? I don't right. wanna be this. I don't wanna be the bipolar mania, crazy chick, whatever that is. I wanna be who I make myself to be. But in the course of me constantly peeling back those layers and becoming more and more of who I am, I still have that lingering idea of, but are you bipolar mania though? You know what I'm saying? And it's. It's a misdiagnosis, Alex agrees. <clears throat> it's a <laughs> And I say, I have to say two things about that. One, I do want to say like, there's nothing wrong with having bipolar disorder, right? Among, oh yeah, I don't want to make it seem bad. No, 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 I, I just, yeah, if, if you do, it's another mental illness and it can be treated and folks live amazing lives with bipolar disorder. 
the reason that we're bringing it up is it was a misdiagnosis. And sometimes when you meet physicians, they just label you. And that was an example of that. She didn't listen to your history, right? What I told you, Kelly, when we first had this conversation, it sounds like bereavement. Bereavement is long-term grief. About a year after, if you are still in grief, and it's like 12 months, right? The DSM says 12 months. If this person is still has complex grief, it's called bereavement. So I would have, you know, I would have said, wow, she has complex trauma, has lost a child. This is bereavement, right? Because if you think about bipolar disorder, it's highs and lows in your mood. You were going through that because of grief. Um, so we bring your story up, Kelly, because there are going to be times, just like when you see a doctor about your GI issues or your foot that's been hurting you, sometimes you are going to get misdiagnosed. So if you feel like that's something that's happening, you can get a second opinion. You can talk to someone else um, about it because you want to treat what you have, right? Yeah, not and and it's crazy because I've 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 spent so many years trying not to like acknowledge that. Yeah. which in which only enhances it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like the denial of this makes mm. every moment, no matter what it is, even worse. Because yeah. the question is still there versus just coming to an acceptance of either I, I think I have it or I think I don't right. by doing the work. Um, so yeah, and I wanted to just bring up this last point before we move on to words, words, words. We got a couple more minutes. Um, this person said, as a mother, it's hard to participate in self-care without feeling guilty. And I think that somebody else mm -hmm. in the audience needs to feel what you got to say about that. Because I mm -hmm. came to a conclusion I, when I started meditating about 10 years ago, my daughter was 11, 12. I came to a conclusion that I don't give a fuck what anybody needs. If I don't do this, I am nothing for them. Like I have nothing to give unless I take this moment, this fucking five, 10 minutes, Right. And just do me. Um, and that's how I feel about self-care with in regards to anybody, parents, kids, mm -hmm. mate, anybody. So what is your take on that? Absolutely. You said it like period. That's it. You and it, you cannot take care of others if you are not well. You have to be well to take care of other people. So being a parent is probably the hardest job you'll ever have. Right. Scares mm. the hell out of me, but you're also modeling great behavior. If you need to reframe it, because you talk about reframing all the time in therapy, reframe it. You know what? I'm doing this to be a better foster parent. I'm doing mm. this to be a role model. When they see mom in the sala, in the living room, deep breathing and meditating, wow, what is she doing? It's not going to be a taboo because you know what? Guess what? I grew up and my mom did self-care every morning. Or how about mm. let's do it together? You had a bad day at school mm. getting into fights. Let's do some meditation together. Or you know what? How about you develop your own self-care routine? So I, I totally get it. I hear it all the time. But reframe it and know that you are better for it. And they're better for it, too. Yeah, that's so real. Faith has definitely mm. um, taken into like her own meditation routine. Right. Nina is all into her yoga mm. and different. Like They both have their things. And I, this definitely from seeing us do, do it. it. Um, so, all right, let's move on to words, 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 okay. so all about words. She said, thank you. I'm all about words. I'm all about how words frame our life. And so the word of the week, the word of the week this week was freedom. Okay. So I want to, when, when you hear the word freedom, Alex, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Happiness. Ooh, I wasn't ready for that. That was quick. <laughs> you like happiness. That's what really brings me. Um, addiction. America. Ooh, shit. That was family deep. trauma. That was. That was deep. 
Family trauma. Mm, family trauma. Dark. Dark. Mm. Self-esteem. Overrated. Self-compassion. I replaced that with self-compassion. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Self-esteem is often given by others. Where are you getting self-esteem? No, no, no. Self, self-compassion is from within. So I do self-compassion. Self-compassion? Yes. Uh, I'll okay. change the narrative. I will never be the same. <laughs> Um, lonely. It's okay. Why are you trying to change it? Just like anything else, sometimes you're going to be lonely. There's so many, so much urge to change negative emotions. Sometimes sit with it and and don't uh you know call an old boo just because you're lonely for a night or two. Peace. Always working towards it. Lifetime. And last but not least healing. Mm, I think a lifetime again, healing. It's, it's, it's not just one and done. It's, it, it happens over time. We're constantly working towards it. Okay. I'm gonna ask you two more questions. Two more, okay. two more words. Petty. <sighs> what comes to mind with petty? I don't know. Petty. Oh, I did I stump you on petty? You stumped me. What? Maybe I'm, I'm just oh, not petty word? like that. I'm just not petty. So nothing comes to mind. No, I just, I need to stop doing that. I'm thinking about my mornings. I just need to stop. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> and bitch. I, I like the word. I do too. I like it. But it's I mean, such a scorned etymology. It's such a negative. But I'm telling you, there's this Ooh. oversensitivity now in this culture. Like, if again, if you are not okay with it, that's fine. But if I'm going to use it with my best friends, that's our choice. Mm. And it's also mm. how you use it and the intent. Like, mm. like, bitch, hey, bitch. Or you're a bitch. Like, woo, I felt that. So how are you using it as well? Matters. I had a whole shaman rip me my ass for saying, Ooh. but it's just like a cool word. And she Why was not? like, no, no. Yeah. Oh, like I see words. Leo on here. Hey, thanks for the kind words. Yeah. I was going to post this Leo um, Vega, Chicago. want to thank yes. each of you strong and powerful women on this podcast for being open-minded, constructive, and helpful with all of the mountains of advice you're giving. Thanks for sharing. Thank uh, you. Thanks for, for joining Leo. That. Awesome. Yes. Really appreciate it. Uh, we are basically at the end of the show. Yay. I am so thankful for you, Alex, in more ways than I can probably articulate. Lisa B, definitely, thank you so much for thank coming Thanks on. for having me. And this is awesome. Yeah, this was great. And we, um, Tam, we got so much more that we can dig right. into. That and that's always happens. Like this show needs to be like four hours long. I see why <laughs> Joe Rogan shows are so long. Cause you don't get into the meat of right. like what you're talking about right. until mm -hmm. 50 minutes into the damn show. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's some, it's some deep shit. Well, we'll plan, we'll plan a marathon one day, Kelly. Right. Alex, uh, if you guys have additional questions, is it okay if they ask you yeah. via um, Instagram? Is sure. that okay? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So if you guys have any additional questions for Alex, you can go ahead and hit her up on Instagram at Alex underscore 2689. Um, that is her IG. Yeah. Thank you so very much. Everybody give a round of applause for Alex as Aww, we remove her from the chat. Uh, uh, Lisa, I love you. 
Thank you. I love you. This was amazing. Uh, next week, I am really, or not next week, but the week after next, I am super mm -hmm. duper overwhelmed at this next show that is coming. We are talking to Dr. Okanta. He is a poet and also a professor of Pan-African studies. And so Ooh. we will be talking about Yoruba tradition Ooh. and like all of this really interesting information uh, around spirituality and poetry and music and dance. And I, I got connected with him because my daughter is in his class at Kent State University. And she comes to me telling me about all these fascinating things that they talk about in class. And I'm like, oh my God, I would love to wow. talk to this guy. So I said, I would love to talk to him. And she was like, I'll ask him if he'll be on the podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. what? And he said, yes. So we will oh. have Dr. O Okanta on the show on the 13th. We will have Dr. Okanta on the show on the 13th. Make sure you set your calendar so you wow. can tune in for that. And it's going to be co-hosted by one of my favorite, most creative comedians slash designers slash choreographer. She is one of Missy Elliott's choreographers. Oh, uh, Missy Elliott's choreographer, Blair Christian. Yay! She will be yay! the co-host on that show because she's all about like veganism and African understanding and religion and stuff like that. She, this is so weird because I don't know. You got to commit. You got to commit. Her. <laughs> so definitely excited to have them two on the show for the, um, nice. the 13th. Yeah. And I love all y'all. I love all y'all for tuning in and for sticking it out this entire time. Um, and yeah, that's all I got to say. I guess we done. I guess this show is over. We did it. And another one. And another one. And another one. What in the bag? Gotta keep it moving. Hey. Is this the latest dance? <laughs> I can't. Bye. <laughs>